Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to another episode of I'm Horrified Holiday Edition. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2024 now, and frankly, uh, we're recording this in advance. I'm going to be honest with you guys. So I'm going to be making no comment because there's a chance that the world has gotten catastrophically worse or much better. Maybe it is not a happy new year. Yeah. So I'm simply going to say it is now 2024. I think we can guarantee that. Can we guarantee that? God, I hope so. Oh, God. <laughs> and if not, you're not going to be listening to this podcast. Yeah. If, 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 if it's not 2024 and you're listening to this podcast, whoa. If we've all fallen into a black hole. Something crazy has happened. But hopefully, Happy New Year. But hopefully, Happy New Year. Um, and much like last week, we're going to take a moment to enjoy some guilty pleasures. We're still mixing it up. We're still... Holiday decadence. A little holiday decadence, yes. Have an extra scoop of mashed potatoes and listen to us talk about some guilty pleasures. I love it. Let's go. Oh, I am excited for mashed potatoes this holiday season. Ah, uh, That is going to be good. Okay, so I'm, I'm recording this when I'm going to be eating mashed potatoes pretty soon, so I'm excited. The mashed potatoes are coming. Oh, baby. <laughs> They're going to get here. So... This week, I'm talking about a guilty pleasure for me, which I'm very excited about. And Allie, I really don't know how much you know about this, so I'm so No, excited. you told me about it, and I'm like, I don't know anything about that, yeah. so I'm glad to hear. So we are both on TikTok a fair amount, which leads me to think we've been privy to at least some level of book talk, which yes, is- a little. Yeah, the name for the book-loving community on the TikTok app. And if anyone else is on TikTok, I'm sure that you've interacted with a book talk before. There's a talk for everything. There really days. is. There really is. Book talk has become a place where a lot of hype can be built around books that were maybe previously successful, but weren't previously like crazy smash hit fandom communities. And I love that. And we love that. And so I think many members of our audience may have heard of what I'm going to talk about today because it absolutely took over book talk for a while there, just as it has taken over my own brain. Love that. So today we're going to talk about the works of Sarah J. Maas and how I have read every single one of them and I would do it again. And how that being said, I do not think they are good. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. It's, it's a duality here. We're going to open with two disclaimers because <laughs> we're going to get spicy. Disclaimer number one, I am a noted romance novel and reality TV enjoyer. I am someone who is just like other girls. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we both pride ourselves on being just like other girls. So please know, when I say these books are not good, I say it as someone who has devoured every single one of them and some of them multiple times. I think as someone who has read and loved these books, I have earned the right to point out when they are stupid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've lived the life. Exactly. You've put in the man hours. I feel any real fan of these books should agree with me on at least some of these things. And the other thing I want to say is, uh, do not give me recommendations for any, quotes, real fantasy books written by a man. I am working my way through Mistborn, and frankly, it is not grabbing me the way the Sarah J. Mass books did. So. Good. I am not looking for recommendations at this time. Disclaimer number two. I am not going to spoil any major specific plot key moments in these books, but I am going to lightly spoil things I think are in the air on the internet about these books. So if you want to read these books with zero spoilers, come back to this episode later, right? I'm just not going to promise you zero spoilers. And here's a threshold test for you. In one of these books, a protagonist falls in love with one character in the first book. It seems as though they're going to be endgame. And then they break up in the second book and they end up with someone else. 
I'm going to talk about that kind of thing. So if you consider that too much of a spoiler for you. You're not going to say the name of the character. No, but, but it, and it'll be like book one stuff. It's not going to be book eight stuff, if that enough. makes sense. Um, but you have been warned at this point. Okay, disclaimers are done. Let's talk about Sarah J. Mass. So Sarah J. Mass is an American fantasy author known for her three fantasy series, Throne of Glass, A Court of Thorns and Roses, popularly known as Akatar. Okay. <laughs> and the Crescent City series. As of 2022, she has sold over 12 million copies of her books, and her work has been translated into 37 languages. So uh, the people want it. Oh, fuck yes. Pretty much all her works have been optioned for some kind of film or, like, TV show, and although none of those exist yet, I do feel that we should watch them when they do exist. So, Sarah writes fantasy, and some would say she writes romanticy. So it's like romantic fantasy or romance fantasy. Her first series was Throne of Glass, which is an eight book series. It was marketed as young adult, although it is like relatively mature towards the end. And her later two series, Akatar and Crescent City, are marketed as new adult, which means they're for an audience of people like 18 to 29. Okay. And new adult is kind of like a controversial label. Some people think it's just like, young adult reading level but they're sex so like that's kind of weird some people are on the opposite side and they're like that's just an it's just an adult book you're devaluing a book that's for adults just because it's like sex and fun fantasy so i'm not sure where i fall on that but what i do know is this sarah is good at creating a world of fae and there's a chosen one and a bunch of people fuck she's done it three times now and she's done it well <laughs> and we'll get back to if she's actually done it three times but yes i've enjoyed all these books I was first introduced to Sarah J. Mass through Book Talk and then through a book YouTuber I enjoy called Carrie Can Read. She did a video called A Desperate Attempt to Explain the Plot of Crescent City So You Don't Have to Read All 800 Pages. It was fantastic. I still watch it often. <laughs> I was intrigued. And so on July 2nd, 2022, I went back into my Amazon history to find the date. Nice. I ordered House of Earth and Blood, which is the first book in the Crescent City series. On July 5th, I purchased House of Sky and Breath. Okay, that's how, that tells you something. <laughs> because I had read the entire 800-page book in three days. It went down like a crisp rosé. <laughs> <laughs> so delicious I had to order another glass. I proceeded to devour this book as well. And that series is still uncompleted, and I cannot wait for House of Flame and Shadow, the third book in that series. I think it comes out early in 2024. Ooh, so maybe it's coming out even as you're listening. Oh! Um, they made me cry for reasons that we will discuss later. Um, I genuinely love these books. They are like a drug. They are not good for me, but I need more. So. That's fair. <laughs> I was at an impasse because Throne of Glass, it's a young adult series. I'm not going to read a baby book. But then Akatar, which seems to me to be her most popular series, had an issue I could not forgive. I knew from the ether of book talk that the protagonist of the Akatar series spends the whole first book falling in love with one hot fey male, only to promptly fall out of love with that guy in book two and fall in love with a different hot fey male. And I am a happily ever after kind of girl. Mm. I just did not want to waste my time in that first book if I knew the leads didn't end up together. You did marry your high school sweetheart. Yeah, that's true about you, me. You pick and you pick hard. Yeah. For life. But luckily, Carrie Can Read came to my rescue again, and I committed my first Sarah J. Mastin. 
<laughs> what? What? Sarah J. Mass sin number one. I have never read A Court of Thorns and Roses to this day. I only watched Carrie's video. Here's the entire plot of Akatar, so you don't have to read 500 pages. And I still have never read it. And I don't think anyone has to if they don't want to. They can just watch that YouTube video. And then did you read the second book? Yes. <gasps> <gasps> Not allowed. Forgive me, Sarah J. Mass, for I have sinned. I watched the video, and on July 27th, so this is within a month of reading the... Yep other books, I purchased the second book in this series, A Court of Mist and Fury. And then on July 29th, I purchased the third book, A Court of Wings and Ruins, because I had once again devoured a Sarah J. Mouse book in two days. Allie, at this time I was planning my wedding. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't have time for this. But it all fell away. My life was about these hot fey males and the teenagers they were falling in love with. I got the audiobook for the final book in this series, A Court of Silver Flames, because Libby didn't have, like, the written book available. And I listened to it out loud in my house, even though it was so sexually explicit, I was embarrassed to listen to it in front of the man who I had lived with for years up to that point, who is now my husband. You're like, this will change how he thinks of me. Truly, there is so much sex in that massive, massive book. <laughs> So then I said, I give myself over to our Lord and Savior, Sarah J. Maas, and I began her young adult series, Throne of Glass. I started the first of the eight book series on October 25th, and I read the last one on November 27th. So within a week, Jesus. within a month, I read all of those books. The, the caveat to that is that there is a novella, and Sarah J. Maas, sin number two, I still haven't read the Assassin's Blade novella. I will get to it someday. So technically, I've only read seven of those books. Fake fan. Then I am a fake fan, and I'm a sinner, and yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, and so I finished all of Sarah J. Mass's currently existing works in November of 2022, and I am still thinking about them and rereading them and really looking forward to the final Crescent City book. But Allie, you may be wondering, Sam, it sounds like you just found some books you enjoy. Other than ignoring your responsibilities, what makes you guilty about that? What's the guilt? Yeah, what's the guilt? The thing is, they are bad. <laughs> okay. I love them. But so much of them is so, so silly. And there's kind of a funny paradox where the readers of these books, and they are, they're, they're, they're fantasy series. They're deep lore series. The readers take the books so seriously. You get TikToks of people so sincerely talking about their lore theories. And then I step back like, what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we doing this for this? And again, we, because I am doing it as well. So to prove my point, we're going to use the time today for me to count down some of what I believe are the silliest things about my beloved books, alongside a few more of my Sarah J. Mass sins. And then we'll see if we still want to choose the path you've chosen for yourself. Exactly. Allie, we'll see if you want to join me down this rabbit hole. Number one, in every Sarah J. Mass book across three series, the female protagonist is a young woman between 18 and 25, and her love interest is 500 years old. <laughs> Okay. Now I know. It's fantasy. But couldn't he be 100? Couldn't he be 75? We gotta keep it in the Edward Cullen <laughs> continuum. And also, he's always the most powerful and legendary fey male to exist. Where is the love for beta males, Sarah J. Mass? Where is the love yeah, for sweet true. boys doing their best? Where are, the, where, are the, where's the, where are the soft boys? It is funny, like, in the communities, like, they'll have, like, debates about, like, who's more powerful, like, Rowan or Reese or, like, this guy. And I'm like, they're all described as, like, the most powerful female to ever exist. How could you possibly rank them? How could you? <laughs> That's the only descriptor we get. 
Oh, and here's number two. Her book always uses male and not man because the fae aren't human. So they don't consider themselves men. They consider I themselves I kind of males. know what you're talking about when you say fae. Fairies, but sexy. They can't just say fairies. It's fae. It's very Not different. sexy enough. Not sexy enough. Well, I will say fairies denotes like a Winx Club, like really lithe with the wings. Not to me. These are just kind of like super magical beings usually is what her fae yeah. characters are. I think are. of like a fae king and it does seem more like, I don't know. Sexy. Sexy. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, they're always male and not man. Uh, sometimes it reads so weirdly like internet coded to me, like alpha male, beta male. <laughs> Um, and so next up is something that I'm going to confess works for me, but will not work for others. And it's this. Number three, fated mates exist in these worlds. So I love like a soulmate trope, even though I do not believe in them in real life. I love to read a book where it's like you get a tattoo when you're 18 and it matches your soulmate. You but I love that shit. I yeah. So for me, the fated mates thing works because it's along those same lines of like you found the person you're destined to be with. But if it's cringy to you, please know that in these books, a powerful 500-year-old male will refer to the to a teenager as his mate before the series is done. It's Ugh. just it's just going to happen. Okay. Okay. As, at least we know. Number 4. To me, so many of the male characters are described in a way that is identical. <laughs> and to prove my point, I am including photographic evidence. When I become a new a part of a new fandom alley, I go to two places to vibe check the community. Right. Can you guess what those two places are? TikTok. No. No? That's a, maybe number three now, but... Uh, Goodreads? No. Uh, OnlyFans. <laughs> Closer. Um, I go to AO3. Oh, AO3, obviously. And Tumblr. You still use Tumblr? Only for this. Only, Only for, for this. entering a new fandom. And so I read these books... And I typed Akatar into Tumblr just to get a vibe check on, like, what's the story? And I saw repeatedly this piece of fan art. I'm about to turn it around, Allie, to show you. Here it is. Now. Those, it's a picture of six identical men with (laughs) different haircuts. This is very impressive artwork. I could not draw this. But these are supposed to be six different men from three different book series. These men are not even from the same universe. They're identical. Tell me they don't look identical. They're all identical. And I remember like reading the books, I would have such trouble because it would be like, then I see the shock of dark hair and the broad shoulders. And I was like, I am I who's supposed to da- know who that is? Broad shoulders? Who's, who's dark hair and broad Which shoulders? Which one? All of them. They look identical to me. Wait, one of them's got silver hair. Well, yeah, that's true. That's Rowan. Um, we love Rowan, but still. And again, this is a fan work. This is not something commissioned by the publishers, but I think it gives you a good idea that in every Sarah J. Mass book, there is between two and I'm going to say six men described as huge with dark hair, hulking, massive, ebony haired, the most powerful fae to ever exist, giant, tattooed, dark hair, huge. <laughs> what color hair do they have? Ebony. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> That's just her type, I think. And I there are other men. I would love to see her husband as like <laughs> he's just like a, a five two blonde guy. Exactly. Honestly. And I'm not saying like there's not any other kind of man in the books. There are, but like this is the guy for Sarah J. Mass. It is especially bad in Akatar, 
where the male lead and his two best friends are all huge with dark hair and they have wings. People talk about like, oh, I really prefer Cassian or like, oh, I think Reese is so hot. I'm like, how could you ever have a It doesn't matter. You can use any of them. They are described as identical. Number five, all of Sarah J. Mass's female protagonists have to have a little hobby. <laughs> That's nice. It is. It just makes me laugh. They get a little hobby. So one of them is a dancer. One of them is all about like shopping and clothes. And one of them is very passionate about painting. And again, I think that's fun, but in the middle of truly the craziest time of their lives, you'll get reminded about their little hobby because they had to take a beat to be like, Bryce was so glad she had the time to go to dance class in between like the archangel trying to kill her. And I'm like, Bryce, you just can't go to dance class right now. She's committed to her hobby. (laughs) You don't want her to have her own authentic self and sense of identity apart from her boyfriend. Bryce, there's nine angel vampires after you right now. We can't go to dance class. Don't go to dance class right now. (laughs) We cannot do it. I think the idea is to give them something like grounded and relatable in their own interests, but sometimes it works. Sometimes it really doesn't for me. I think, I think that she read maybe a review of Bella Swan. Yes. Like, oh, she's so boring. There's nothing to her. And she's like, well, what if this one really loves to knit? There's another funny, one of my favorite, like, funny fan things is that, so the Akatar heroine is the one who really likes to paint, and, like, it becomes, like, a plot point of her painting. And everyone, like, likes to laugh to themselves and joke and be like, what if is a really bad painter? And just no one, <laughs> no one will tell her. She's terrible. And they, like, want her to be happy. They're buying her paints, but, like, no one will communicate to her that she's an awful painter. I hope that that's that my family and friends would do that for me. I hope that too. And I hope that's true. Uh, Number six. Uh, Sarah has two completed series right now. Once per series, she gave a spinoff to objectively the worst character. Um, And I'll admit that they both turned out okay. But I fucking know she's going to do it again in Crescent City. And I don't care what you do, Sarah. I will never care about Therion. I don't care if you give him his own book. Yeah, Sam is wild-eyed right now. And (laughs) I don't know the context for this. I can't care about Therion. There's too much going on in Crescent City. We'll try to get her information so that she gets the message. But she did. She she gave a book to Nesta in Akatar. It was full of smut, but it was okay, even though she wasn't my favorite character. She gave Chael his own book. Chael? Oh, I'm going to get there. Uh, And we were all like, none of us want to read Chael's book. Can we skip Chael's book? Unfortunately, you could not skip Chael's book. And it oh, because there's like important okay. yeah. like, information in it? Yeah, okay. unfortunately. Speaking of Chael, number seven is names. This is big. This, <laughs> this is, Chael is a crazy name. <laughs> this is big across the fantasy world. But Sarah named one of her major characters Chael. It's just crazy. I cannot say it with a straight face. He is the romantic lead, for God's sake. No. He's not the... So he starts as, like, a primary romantic lead, and then he kind of becomes, like, a secondary romantic lead. Chael. But his name is Chael. That's <laughs> stupid. I said it once in front of Adam, and he was like, that can't possibly be right. That and I was like, right. look at it, Adam. And he was like, Kale. And I was like, it's not that. It's Chael. Kale. Is better. Is better, but then you think, I think of. Kale. Kale. Yeah. But even that would be better with the vegetable connotation. Maybe. Chael. Chael. It's so bad. It's so stupid. Okay, now it's time for my spiciest hot take, which is also another of my Sarah J. Mass sins. Many fans have speculated that, although all three book series take place in completely different fantasy worlds, they are somehow connected in a multiverse type way. And the theory has actually been basically confirmed with the latest Crescent City book. But my spicy take is this. I do not think Sarah did that on purpose. 
Yeah, like, like she just saw the fan forums and was like, okay. I genuinely believe that Sarah likes what she likes, which is fey men falling for teenagers in a complicated geopolitical climate with a bunch of very cool magic items floating around. That's just what she likes. So I think she tried to write three really distinct worlds, but they all ended up feeling really similar. So she said, fuck it, and decided to make it so. And that is her right. That she can do that. But I... She can make it one world as a treat. And I think it's fun. But I truly, my spicy take is that I do not believe it was intentional. I believe the fans noticed and she was like, okay, fine. You're grilling her ass today. I am. And I love her. And you love her. And you die for her. (laughs) And my final Sarah J. Maas sin is this. My preference order for these three series is the opposite of everybody else's preference order. My least favorite is Akatar, then Throne of Glass, then, for me, Crescent City is the best. I liked it before the epilogue, if you know what that means. I think it's good. Uh, let me tell you why, Ali and audience, I will now be pitching these bad, bad books to you. I pray you find deranged joy in them as I have. So Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses, is, as I mentioned, probably her most popular series. It follows Feyre Archeron. She's a 19-year-old providing for her useless sisters and father by hunting in the woods. Very, like, Katniss of her. Love that. She accidentally kills a fae disguised as a wolf and has to pay the price by moving to the fae realm and being on house arrest in the castle of the High Lord of Spring, Tamlin. Hot Tamlin. (laughs) (laughs) That's stupid. You thought he was hot and then you heard the words Tamlin? Tamlin. This first book in the series is basically like a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Like she's kept in this castle um, because like of this sin against this fancy man. Um, And then it grows beyond that to involve spying, more geopolitical intrigue, revenge, and dirty, dirty times with paint. So Throne of Glass is an eight book series. Wait, there's sex scenes with paint involved? Yes. She's a painter. That's her hobby. That's her little hobby. Okay, um, I embroider. Do you think? <laughs> you, would, you know what? I'm not even going to go I would, there. I would never kink shame you. I use needles, Sam. I would never kink shame you. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Throne of Glass is an eight book series that follows teen assassin Selena Sardathian. That's a cool name. It is. As she's compelled to do tasks for the evil king and his hot son and his hot son's hot best friend, who is also hot. Um... This is an interesting book because the first book kind of feels like very YA, almost Hunger Games-y as well. Mm-hmm. The second one sort of expands on that, but still very much stays like in that realm. And then in the third one, we get like, she goes to a new place. There's all these new characters. We're discovering this like super magnified stakes and like intense backstory that we really kind of don't get hints of in the first two books. I really like the direction it ends up going into a lot. But just to give you, like, a vibe check, the first book in the series is 432 pages, and the last book is 992. Jesus. So it's, like, very... It goes from feeling, like, quite YA to not YA, like, new adults. Very Um, Harry Potter of them. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I will say, like, because of that, some of the twists towards the beginning don't feel very twisty, because I think they were intended for, like, more of a YA audience. So, like, there's a guy being, like if only I could understand her secret. And I'm reading it as a 20, uh, like, nine-year-old, like, her secret's so obvious. What do you mean, if only you could understand her secret, I understand her secret. But there you go. Oh, that one's Chael? That was Chael, who didn't understand the secret. Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. Chael. But again, like, just to, if you're interested in that series, that's my disclaimer. The first two books feel quite a bit more YA than it continues on. And then, my beloved Crescent City. 
So this textbook takes place differently from the other two in like a modern fantasy world. So there are like werewolves and fae, but there's also like cell phones and reality TV, which I think is kind of a fun twist on like a fantasy book is that it's like a modern fantasy. Our protagonist, Bryce Quinlan, is half fae and living a party girl life with her best friend Danica when a shocking event puts her on a new course and of course introduces her to a sexy, tall, dark, and handsome man with wings. The thing that really gets me, especially about the first book in this series, is that like, I think female friendship is very, very important. Yeah. And this book agrees with me. The relationship between Bryce and Danica, I think is really, really well done in this book. Um, I'll confess that as time goes on, like, and I, again, I don't want to do spoilers here. So I'll just say like the Danica stuff in book two kind of becomes a bit much, but the climax of the first book really like literally made me cry reading it because I felt so much for Bryce and what she had been going through. And that book also had like moments that genuinely made me laugh out loud that were like really funny. I really want them to turn Crescent City into a TV series because there's like scenes of it. I feel like I can see really clearly in my head. And I think it would be like a cool, fun, unique world. Whereas I feel like Akatar and uh, Throne of Glass, like, I think people would just be like, oh, it's like another Games of Thronesy fantasy series. Whereas this could be sort of different. Yeah, I think this would be kind of different. Is sci-fi still a channel? Good question. Can we get them on this? <laughs> so these are the books that have taken over my life. And if you are asking me if they are good, you may actually be asking me the wrong question. It's not about that, you guys. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Allie, would you ever be interested in reading one of these books? I mean, now I am. Oh my god, really? I'm interested now. I thought you were going to be like, fuck no. <laughs> I mean, do I see, do I foresee a roadblock ahead? Maybe a little. Yeah. I like fantasy, though. There you go. You're a um, Lord of the Rings girly. I love Lord of the Rings. Not so much sex in that, meaning zero. Yeah. But, you know. These aren't like that. To be frank. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem that way. They're not really. It's got fun world. I would say, like, to me, the Lords of the Ringsiest one would be Throne of Glass. Right. Because um, that one gets very, like, yeah, that one really takes a turn from being, like, Hunger Games-y What's YA. the one where she's trapped in a castle? Uh, that's Akatar. That's the one that I think is probably most popular. Yeah, I like being trapped in a castle with a hot guy. There you go. Then maybe you would like I mean, Avatar. I guess I don't know that I like it. I've never been locked in a castle with a hot guy, but I think my mind is like, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds nice. Yeah. So like I said, the, basically I think all of them have been optioned for some kind of thing. I think Akatar was pretty far in its like development process to be a TV show when the writer strike happened. So it obviously oh. got like kind of paused on that and we'll see if it picks up from there. I'd be interested to see any of these as, like, a TV show or movie adaptation. Um, as much as I'm, like, lovingly making fun of these, like, I do think it's very fun to have, like, a big, grand fantasy world that's written by a woman. Yes. And, like, to have that, um... Even if some of her ideas are dumb. Even if some of her... Are we saying that none of J.R.R. Tolkien's ideas are dumb? J.R. Tolkien? How many R's are in his Tolkien. name? Yeah, uh, no, a lot of his ideas were stupid. All ideas are kind of stupid. Tom Bombadil, unnecessary. So stupid. Um, and then, like, George R.R. Martin as well. Like, there's some stupid stuff in there. Some, there's plenty of stupid stuff in there. So, yeah, I just, like, again, like, with my disclaimers at the front, like, if you love these books, you have to agree with me that some of that is silly. And I think that's true of almost any book you read. You can be like, this was silly of them. Unless you're reading, like... I mean, I read Twilight in one night. Yeah. 
If it works, it works. It, if it works, it works. And that's what this is. And that's what the holiday season's all and about. And that's, and so new year, new reading. Let's do this. New year, new outlook. Give yourself what you want. And give yourself what you want. That's so true. That's the whole point. But have a sense of humor about what you like too. Amen. That's what I say. I think that you've done a beautiful job of encapsulating what, whatever this is. <laughs> um, uh, for people who have no idea what you're talking about. Thank because you Because so I had no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right. You know what you should really do, Al? Because I know that you're um, a YouTube video essay girl. I like am a me. video essay girl. You should watch the Carrie Can Read video essays about that. Oh, okay. And All see right. if, like me, that intrigues you enough to make you want to read it. Because that's, that's what fair. it did for me. I think you've intrigued me enough to make me want to read it, Sam. Heck yeah. You're like a video essay in person. Oh my god, thank you so much. What is this podcast but a video essay without uh, the video? Or the essay? Anyways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, anyways, we have to bounce. So I'll see you guys next year. Uh, um, we, it's already next year. I'll, no, I'm not coming back until Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll t- yeah, we'll see you in 2025. I'll see you then. We have to ghost you again. No, we're just kidding. We'll see you on Tuesday. Yay! And until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified. Nice.